Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. So good to have you here with us today on episode 326. Hope you're having a great day wherever you are in the world. We appreciate you being here. Got another great, awesome show for you. We're going to be talking with Kurt Steinhorst about the science of attention. Now, specifically, we're going to talk about how he helps teams create a culture that fosters focus and attention and how you as a speaker can get more focus in your business as well. I'm going to tell you, this conversation gets good right out of the gate. So buckle up, Buttercup. One of the first things we're going to hit on is navigating that balance between what you're passionate about as a speaker and what organizations are actually hiring speakers to talk about. It's it's a tension that really every speaker has to manage. And I love Kurt's spin on how he thinks about that. Also, he's got a really interesting backstory and some wise words for you on how to narrow your focus as a speaker to see more success. So let's jump right into it. Here's my conversation on focusing and adapting as a speaker with Kurt Steinhorst. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Graham Bolden here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Good to have you here with us today. We're talking with Kurt Steinhorst, who is a uh, successful speaker. We're going to be talking about his journey, what the past uh, year has looked like in uh, the land of COVID and how he's pivoted and adjusted. So, uh, Kurt, thanks for joining us today. How's your day going? Great day. Thanks for having me on, Grant. You bet. We uh, we were chatting just a second ago before we started recording that uh, we were introduced from a mutual friend a couple of weeks ago, but uh, literally just realized a couple of hours ago that we had connected back in 2014, so six seven years ago or so through a different mutual friend. So uh, we're we're apparently just long lost uh, uh, BFFs here, and we, we just <laughs> fell out or something. That's right. It, but at least nothing's changed. This uh, is true. Now in the first time in 2014. This is true. Yeah, totally different worlds now. So first of all, for, for some context sake, why don't you give us a snapshot of your speaking business? Who do you speak to? What do you speak about? What's the problem that you saw? What's the, the nutshell of how speaking fits into your world today? Yeah, I, so I, I speak, write, study, coach, consult, all on really the science of attention, which is uh, how, do, how do leaders and organizations and teams uh, create culture in order to support each other's ability to actually get focused work done. So how does focus really occur in a company? Everyone says I'm distracted by my phone, but really at its core, what is it, what would it actually look like to drive a focused organization, focused team? And then the other side of attention is how do I keep and capture the attention of an increasingly distracted audience? So gotcha. um, yeah, most of my clients are, yeah, you know, corporate to so the fortune 500 would be my number one industry for financial services has, I think I've done 74 financial services uh, teams in the last three years, which is the number one industry, but that's more incidental. It's kind of across all industries. 
Nice. How have you kind of thought about that? Because uh, it's a challenge that a lot of speakers run into where the, the nature of the topic applies to really a, a very broad spectrum. But I mean, as you well know, like the, the more people you try to appeal to, the, the fewer people you're actually, you know, relating to. And so when you have a topic like attention and focus that any small business or any business of any size could benefit from, humans just in general could benefit from, how do you kind of determine like, hey, I'm going to focus my energies and efforts this direction uh, instead of that direction, even though that direction could also work? How have you kind of thought about that? <laughs> well, I'm easily distracted. That's why I speak <laughs> about focus. So it's hard at times. No, I, you know, I found the, I, I've taken some proactive approaches to this, but the, the historic pattern for me has been largely reactive that the audiences I'm in front of seem to dictate the audiences I'm more in front of. Yeah, and yeah. so, you know, I've, I've found that there's just, and COVID obviously has changed that equation slightly, but the, the live event and capitalizing on that moment is the way that most of my leads occur. And if I can customize the speech enough that that industry, so financial services, they, they hear that pain point, they think it's for them, it naturally builds that direction. So that's really mm -hmm. how I've done it. Now, with that said, uh, last fall, I recorded a series of videos that, because one of the challenges I had was recognizing that uh, I initially branded more just around distraction and distraction is a little more of a niche feeling. People don't generally say I need a speaker on distraction. Mm -hmm. And, and so helping, I, I said, I need to record a video that helps people to see that the topic that haven't heard me speak, that the topic is, um, plays into the most painful parts of, uh, that leaders face productivity, mm -hmm. engagement. And, and so I recorded a series of videos that was an interview on uh, the way it plays out in different industries. So there was like a healthcare special uh, topic. These are the challenges that we see doctors and nurses ha face in hospitals there. And so that's, I, that was the direction I went to be more proactive on that. Gotcha. And so uh, how did you first land on the topic of uh, attention, focus, distraction? Because like even because you said, there's a couple different buzzwords that you could use and some may relate more to some industries versus others. So how did you kind of refine and figure out, okay, all right, here's the core of my message. And I know it's just one thing we, we talk with speakers all the time about is there's this balance between here's what I'm passionate about, here's what I'm knowledgeable on, here's what I have some experience in versus what is it that, that organizations and groups and event planners are actually hiring speakers about? Because if you're the world's greatest expert on a topic that nobody cares about, you don't have a business. So how have you kind of found the balance between here's what I'm interested in, here's kind of the angle I bring to the table, here's what organizations and groups are actually hiring speakers to talk about? Yeah, and it's a really great question. And the fact is, we're, I'm constantly thinking about in those terms. And the other angle that is a challenge here is how do you how do you be a category of one? How do you reduce the competition by using language that is that, that doesn't actually just sound like you're a, another motivational speaker who lives mm -hmm. in a van down by the river. Right. And, but on the other side, how do you avoid it, the category you're in feeling unfamiliar to people or not hitting the pain point? So that's the, that is the same, same type of challenge. The way that I have uh, made these decisions, frankly, I'll back it up a little bit. I, I, I came upon distraction, focus, attention in 2013. And the backstory is that I, started, I actually started in the talent agency, the speaker bureau world. Then I moved into to doing more coaching uh, professional athletes and how are they speaking, helping them speak more effectively. And um, from there, I had an opportunity to be the cheaper version of a really well-known speaker on generations. 
And it was just right place, right time, to be honest. I, I knew the speaking industry inside and out on the representation and the booking side. So that made me, the person could trust me to handle the client well and understand the language that's there. And then on the other side, my real expertise or what I was, my, my talent was in actually delivering on stage. So I was super lucky that I got to start by speaking underneath someone else. The uh, 2013, I did 52 engagements on generations and my personal journey with distraction. So I was diagnosed with ADD as a kid. And when I started my own business, I, it was the first time I ever considered medication because I was just frankly overwhelmed by the, by the text messages. And, you know, I was uh, pursuing the person who became my wife, which was really great, except for work. And so mm-hmm. it started as a personal journey and I became obsessed with thinking about attention and focus and I didn't pick the topic. What happened is a, a mentor who I helped in a different dimension um, was talking to me and I was just sharing personally my thoughts on sci- on the science of attention, what I found. And he's like, this is the most interesting thing that you've talked to me about. Like hmm. this, you should be focusing fully on this. And so that is 2013. And that that's that's where it all started. Interesting. I want to go back even prior to that. So you mentioned that you had first, before you even became a speaker, you were on the representation side, worked as a bureau, worked with some athletes. Uh, How did you first get into that? And then also I'm curious then later, how do you transition from that into, into speaking kind of what that looks like, but let's start by going back to just what what were you doing pre-speaker life? Yeah, it's funny. So I thought I was going to be a pastor Okay. And this is right out of school, which means that if, if you are uh, planning to be a pastor, you don't take any classes that the business world values. <laughs> and so this wasn't good. Uh, but, you know, I, I did. I always knew I was a debater na- nationally in high school. And so I always knew rhetoric. And, and that was something I was really passionate about. I had a chance to be president of my class at Texas A&M University. And so speaking was something I was doing frequently. When I jumped into the professional world, I really had a choice and I, I first looked at the pastor route and then somebody introduced me to the speakers bureau. I'd never even heard of it as a thing, yeah. but I, I was just, I, I never, I only job I've ever applied for. And, and I applied because I was just thought this is incredibly fascinating. I believe in the power of words and uh, live events to, to truly have an impact on changing and transforming lives. And, and, and so that's how it started. I jumped in. I, and I got the job. I didn't yeah. know what I didn't know. And, and I started cold calling and it was miserable. And, <laughs> but uh, I learned so much through the experience that uh, I had no idea. I never planned to be a speaker. That wasn't the plan. The plan was actually to, to just facilitate people who have an incredible story being able to share theirs. So back in time, ballpark, what, what year was this when you started working with the five. Okay. So this is, you started working with them like right before the recession hit. Um, so you're on the sales side that starts hitting, which is, 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 you know, in some ways very similar to what we've been experiencing here this year in, in 2020 mm-hmm. with the pandemic of like, things are good. And then all of a sudden things are not good. And we're not really yeah. sure how this plays out. So I want to talk l- uh, more in, in a bit here on the pandemic, but specifically like when you were there, on the bureau side, going through a recession that was certainly affecting a bunch of industries, but definitely the, the corporate space. Uh, what was it like? How is it similar, different than what what, <laughs> yeah. what we've experienced today? Yeah, you know, it, gosh, this is actually really helpful and 
in a, a therapeutic something I, yeah it's therapeutic <laughs> to think about and put it in this context so i was young right i was out right out of school i don't know 23 yeah. or so and and frankly i was so proud of myself i i did have success when it came to being an agent and so i was like high-fiving myself i was going to make six figures and nobody at my friend's age nobody else was making six figures so it was like i was living high and then you know, 2009 or 2008, 2009 hits. And it just, I literally made $15,000 one year. And it was a, I mean, it was, it, it was just awful. And I worked at a speaker bureau that went out of business through that period, which actually was a really important lesson for me because the uh, business owner, it, very charismatic, uh, means well, but was always spending to grow beyond the current revenue with the assumption that that would always stay the same. Yeah. And so it was, I, I got to see what can go wrong when you aren't planning for a rainy day. And so, yeah, I, I jumped, it was at that point that I jumped to a very small company that was kind of a transition to when I started my own business. And I started my own business in 2010. And um, yeah, so that's, that. and when I think about how different versus the same, I think what it prepared me for was in the back of my mind, even as my career has taken off really since 2013, I always had it in the back of my mind that like, this isn't how the industry is always going to be. Mm -hmm. I'm, I am one speech away from never getting another booking. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so I, I think there's a lot of emotional pre preparedness and, um, but in a very different position, you know, yeah. now I've, you have family now and uh, a team of people now. And so the revenue is different, but, uh, I don't know that I was any less, I'm any less scared than I was. The, uh, the darkest parts of COVID never got as bad as uh, $15,000 in a year. Right. right. <laughs> so, so uh, all right. So you work with the Bureau for a little while, they go out of business, and then eventually you start doing some of your own representation um, for athletes. Can you talk a little bit about that? I think that'd be, that's kind of fascinating. Yeah. So my basic premise was this, that athletes were in this unique position where they needed a second career and they could be in demand, but they were usually terrible at speaking. Mm -hmm. And so my whole focus always was let's make what you actually say powerful and the way you say it powerful. And that was, that's, that was my differentiator with that business. But here's what I find pretty quick. I find out pretty quickly when I start that business, I never was, I never liked the representation side of the business. I, I just, it's a, it's a, it is a, it is a, um, no win game. And I like people to like me, right? <laughs> if you're booking a speaker, if you're in representation, you book a speaker all the time. That's now what they expect all the time. Like mm -hmm. it's just, and, and, and I just, I, and I, frankly, it taught me, I wasn't that good at it. Like I was good at just calling, but the coaching side and the helping people with their speaking side, less like what you're doing and more the actual skills on stage mm -hmm. uh, was where I thrived. I loved it. And so, um, the representation side with athletes actually helped me build this fun stable of cool people I'd worked with, but yeah. I tried to kind of shut that down relatively quickly uh, in order to um, do a couple things a little bit better rather than several things mediocre. Yeah. I want to take a quick uh, rabbit trail here um, because we, ha we have a, a lot of former athletes that we have worked with or have gone through our programs or who listen to the podcast uh, and all different stages of, of their, you know, professional career uh, as far as like what they've accomplished and, you know, Super Bowl champions and those who 
you know, I was, I was picked in the 14th round and got in for two plays. I'm like, can I speak on that? Like, yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. Probably not. So how do you find, cause, cause there's, there's a very, very, very small group of athletes who are past their playing days and still have some significant name recognition and notoriety. Uh, so what advice do you give to athletes, former athletes about leveraging, you know, their days of, of playing on the field or the court uh, and transitioning that into speaking? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I'm usually the bearer of bad news with the potential of it being good news. And basically I, I, I if you are not Joe Montana, Mm-hmm. And like, let's just, let's get even more clear. Cause you can be a pro bowl running back. I have a close friend, pro bowl running back from you know three years ago. The fact is he has a very, very, very small natural audience after that. I mean, great social media influencer, but I mean, you have to be an icon to, yeah. to not be great at speaking and still to get booked. Mm-hmm. So just understand that, that there's a very short shelf life of people being willing to pay an athlete big dollars on name alone for speeches. And so that leads me to the next thing, which is to say, now the question that you have to ask is, do you want to make this a business? And if you want to make it a business, then you have to invest in it like a business. You have to build it like a business. You have to um, perform at a level that uh, the equivalent of an NF- if you were in the NFL, you need to perform on the stage. You need to be a peak performer on the stage. So basically, I just want to shred the idea that being an athlete grants you this automatic pass onto the stage. It does, however, um, it gives you what nearly everyone who's not an athlete would just dream of that wants mm-hmm. to speak, which it gives you a foot in the door. Yeah. Like, You've got something most people don't have. It's incredible. Now, now turn it into a business. Right, right. Well, it's so true. And that's applicable and relevant, not just for, you know, athletes or former athletes, but for anybody, because there's always people who, you know, I survived cancer or I was on American Idol or I, you know, I hear some crazy accomplishment or feat that I I climbed Mount Everest. It's like, that's cool, but that only goes so far. And the audience may be intrigued by that, but, uh, you know, the, the, the name recognition isn't going to carry as much weight as people think it does or hope that it does. And so when you get to the levels of the, you know, like you said, a, a Joe Montana, a, uh, a Peyton Manning actually does a lot of speaking. Um, Peyton's incredibly charismatic and uh, a, a very, you know, likable, recognizable, uh, a lot of name recognition there. And so it, it translates to higher dollars. But unless you have that kind of caliber, it's really difficult. Like you, you don't get the advantage that you think you should get um, just because you played in, uh, you know, in the NFL a few games. Yeah. And I think eventually what you have to do is, you know, it, Athletes can, can be in the motivational realm, like just pure, you can go do it, you can work harder and things like that. But the, the truth is that's a pretty hard market to crack. There are unicorns in that. Uh, you know, Rachel Hollis is a friend. And mm-hmm. when we actually met each other, she, was, she told me, she's like, I, um, I have a dream of being basically for women what Tony Robbins is for others. Like, I think women need that. And I remember thinking, like, that's a pretty big goal. That's awesome. Good luck. Yeah. And she did it. Like, she's done it. And she's incredible. But the fact is, there are also uh, 5,000 other women that would like to be in that spot that it's hard to predict how that happens. So I say all that to say, you want to go to places where there's the bet is less risky. And that means having real distinction and expertise that, that 
that transcends broad, raw, feel-good, you know, uh, inspirational messages. Yeah. So I think that's really like zoom in and say like, what exactly can I say that is profound and really helpful to people who pay for speeches? Very true. Hey friends, do you know the five steps to book more gigs and get paid as a speaker? Well, if not, listen up because these same five steps to help me to grow a seven figure speaking career are all laid out in great detail in my latest book, The Successful Speaker. Five steps for booking gigs, getting paid and building your platform. Whether you wanna speak as a side hustle or your dream is to become a full-time professional speaker, I know what it takes. I share all of that with you in this definitive step-by-step roadmap. Let me be your guide. Learn from my mistakes. Get paid what you know you're worth to share your unique message on stage. If you want to read the first chapter for free or just check out the book, go to thespeakerlab.com slash book. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash book. Check out your copy of The Successful Speaker. I want to fast forward ahead here to uh, let's go back a few months at the time of this recording. We are uh, late 2020 wrapping up the year here. Uh, obviously been an interesting year for the world, but certainly for the speaking industry. So uh, how have you, whenever all of this is starting to happen, in fact, that the friend that reintroduced us uh, just recently was saying that you were uh, in town talking and uh, this was like March, I don't know, early March. And he said he vividly remembers you two being on the elevator and you asking him like, Hey, have you heard about this, this COVID? stuff that's starting to happen, you know, and little did any of us know that all of a sudden this is going to, you know, rampage the, the speaking industry. So can you talk, talk us through like, what have the past several months been like? What are the shifts that you've had to make? Um, because there's a point where, you know, early on March, maybe early April speakers are kind of like, yeah, it's just kind of wait and see, but quickly realize, all right, we're going to be here a minute and we can't just stick our head in the sand any, any longer. So how have you made shifts? How have you made pivots yeah. and adjustments in your own business? Yeah. Yeah. It, well, so my business has just blown up. It's gangbusters. It's been my best year ever. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> so the best way to do it maybe is to go through just kind of seasons. So March hits and 90% of my Q2 revenue is gone in the span of a week. And um, I had actually, beginning in 2018, when my book came out, uh, the dream had become the nightmare in that I was on the road 140 days that year. And no, I, anybody who says they gave 140 speeches is including when they're disciplining their children, but I, it was way too busy. And so I said, how do I scale this? How do I get beyond this? And so I had built up a team to do um, more, some of the bigger consulting projects. I have never done a good job. I'm working on it now um, of, of scaling the business to not depend upon me on the stage. And, um, and so when it, when the you know rug came out from under us, I was optimistic that it was only going to last through June. And that was just my internal optimism. We're going to get through this. And I have the capital and the cash flow because I remember 2008 and I had, was ready for a rainy day. And so mm-hmm. we were good. We, we pulled back and, um, and we invested our resources. I invested my resources very, very aggressively in honestly making up for stuff that was way past due. I, you know, when you speak on the stage and it it becomes a kind of a snowball where Mm -hmm. as long as you do the right things, the opportunities come up and, but I didn't have a great website. I, you know, the, the topic content wasn't updated. um, What we said that we could do was way too overreaching. And, and so I basically, I focused on really getting my message down 
improving that. And then I launched a program that I've been wanting to do for two years called the Focus Fit Challenge, which is a four week virtual or actually physical deck of cards and such that I was able to work with a team at Nike on. And it was fine. It's finally the program that can be done when I'm not there. Mm-hmm. And so I put my energy into creating that program. Um, and then July hits, I've been optimistic. I did this pilot with the focus fit challenge with Nike in July. It went great, but I start realizing, gosh, this thing is just, it keeps going. And so my mm-hmm. fall that's when I started to get pe- uh, pessimistic and a little scared, you know, just like, Oh man, this is the first time I really, I'm like mourning. Yeah. I'm mourning the dream. I'm mourning. Like I'm scared. Is this going to, um, it, what happens when it comes back? It doesn't mean it's going to pick back up. Like there's just all these doubts. And so I did something that I, uh, I took, a, I, did, I, I took a different path. I, I had a friend that said the worst thing that can happen, Kurt, is you grind so hard right now that when it, opens back up you're so tired that you're you're already you're already at a deficit and so i took my family on a one month airstream trip from seattle to dallas and didn't work at all that's cool and it was incredible so that's what covid's done for me um and i I guess i'll just finish the thing is the truth is august september and the fall ended up we started to see this bump with virtual programs Mm -hmm. and so i i I wouldn't say that it's been my best year ever, but I did, you know, six to eight virtual programs um, in actually, so eight and eight and then seven in September, October, November, which was enough to like balance the checkbooks and, yeah. and get us going. So that's where we are. How are you thinking about virtual today? Because I, again, I think for a minute, virtual kind of felt like this, ah, it's just kind of this bandaid, it's a stopgap thing. Nobody's taking it that serious. And now it's kind of like, all right, this is, you know, the option on the table um, for at least somewhat a bit more of the foreseeable future. Uh, there's some speakers that are just like, I hate it. Virtual sucks. I don't want to do it. Some audiences that are like that too, event planners that are like that. And, and then some speakers are like, oh, this is great. Like I can, uh, you know, I, I can take my family and, and uh, travel around the country and do these virtual gigs wherever we are, you know, yeah. as long as I got an internet connection uh, and the kids can be quiet long enough, like I can speak anywhere uh, at any time. So there's certainly like pros and cons to it. How are you kind of thinking about it now? And then how virtual fits into your business for the, for the foreseeable future? Yeah. So I, I have a mutual uh, and also love hate relationship with it. I would say that I feel like it wasn't until mid-September that I finally hit my groove with them. And I, I don't know if anybody ever likes to acknowledge that, but I will, that I look at some of the ones I did in the summer at an AT&T event. And I, I, I feel like it took me a while lighting, um, pacing, interact, interactive, getting used to jokes that no one laughs at. Right? You just don't have a clue if they're funny. So it took me, a, yeah, it's like, yeah. I'm, Hope that was funny. (laughs) This is funny. So um, I feel like this fall I've hit my groove on it to where I'm comfortable and confident that I can deliver uh, the value that they're looking for. And I, but I, I still hate it um, compared to being in front of people and, and experiencing there's, we're embodied humans. We we're wired to be among each other, to feel connected and, um, but I think moving forward for me, I, I'll follow the, I'll follow the, 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 the trends and the river that it takes me. I, I, I think if I were to guess that we're really going to see virtual remain for a very long time um, with a, dim, with a more balanced role moving forward. I, I think that, you know, at whatever point things open up, we'll see more virtual events than we used to see. 
but it's, I, I completely think it's absurd people that think that we're just like punting all travel and stuff as if people don't hate sitting in a off, home office right. by themselves staring right. at a screen all day. How are you thinking about your, and again, at the time of this recording, we're wrapping up the year. How are you thinking about 2021 within your own speaking business? Meaning like, what are you hearing from event planners? Are you, how soon are you thinking you're going to be back to some semblance of normalcy that, you know, they're starting to trickle in some live stuff, some small stuff. Um, yeah. What do you feel like the, the future looks like for you before you're back to some sense of normalcy in the business? Yeah, I, people who know no more than either of us or anyone else keep, pushing this like second half 2021 is when we'll start to see it really open back up. Yeah. And so I, you know, I've kind of said that would be great <laughs> if that were the case. And I hope that by then I, the, the focus to challenge some of the more scalable stuff will actually make me less dependent upon the road. Yeah. But until then, I, January looks great. And because kickoffs and my topic really fits well with like, yeah. how do we focus in this, it, like, dispersed teams it's it's working really well um february you know it's weird i've started to have inquiries in february the biggest thing that's occurring though is no one's booking far out so it's like yeah. i mean we're we're in december and i'm still getting january offers and february is what people are focused on now and so it feels like there's a continued paralysis of long-term decisions and all i can say is um I hope that I, as long as that's the case, as long, I hope that I have enough two months out or a month out. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm just, that's kind of the way I'm approaching it. And, and thankfully, at least for January, January is, will be my best month since the virtual world. Um, but, you know, things have picked back up and maybe March is going to be dead. I don't know. Just spend yeah. less money. is probably the best stop. Like, how are you mentally uh, uh, juggling that? Because as, as speakers, you know, speakers that are speaking full time, you typically know, have a pretty good idea, depending on the time of year, you know, six months out, pretty decent idea of what the schedule is yeah. going to look like, you know? So the idea of booking something next week isn't a thing like that just doesn't yeah. happen. Um, the idea of booking something next month may happen pretty rare, but now like that, like you're saying, that's the norm because nobody wants to commit to something where all the, yeah logistics and details and planning for them to get the week before and be like, crap, we got to pull the plug on it anyway. So nobody's willing to commit that far out. But as a speaker, you're just like, I, I, I got to manage cash flow. I got to manage, you yeah. know, the, the busyness of the season uh, and the time of year. Uh, and there's just, there's just the mental uh, hoops that you're jumping through. You know, yeah. I know like as speakers, when we compare notes, you know, it's always just kind of like, What's your spring look like? What's your fill in blank yeah. month look like? You know, how, how is September for you? How is this month for you? You know? Yeah. Uh, so how are you mentally balancing that of going like, Hey, I could book a whole bunch of things next week. Um, I could book nothing next week. And it's, it's just, it can be stressful. Uh, yeah. at times, since especially like as speakers, that's not the timeline that historically we're used to. Yeah. Yeah. I, first off, I just want to acknowledge like there is a mental strain and there, and I, it's probably more under, the surface that I'm aware of. For instance, I took all of the week of Thanksgiving off and I've told several people, my workflow is that I sprint, I don't sleep well, I work really hard and then I need to break. Like that's the way I've always been. It's not the way I recommend it, but usually I can tell when I'm running on fumes. I actually wasn't aware of how, like I, it's just been this continued thing. So I didn't even know how much I needed that. Yeah. Um, so how I'm, but how I'm actively thinking about it is, I have enough for January. It seems like it's happening. I'm, I'm thinking in terms of, am I positioned well 
Am I, am I doing the blocking and tackling and the things that will create a long-term, more stable, more sustainable, bigger business? And so as long as I am, and for me, what that means is like, I write for Forbes, but I don't do it consistently enough. I have a podcast that's a three minute mini podcast, but I haven't marketed it. Like there's just, there's certain aspects of my business that I know by, by executing on those as things open up, I'm going to be fine. Yeah. And so that's what I think about is, is not, um, is March full. Cause it's not, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I ha- thankfully I have some things in the spring that are, were canceled from this last year. Mm-hmm. So I have enough things that I'm basically good for the whole spring for a net neutral. But at the same time, if I allowed myself to, um, if I allowed myself to compare it to where things were at peak, then uh, it would be a great way to lose a lot of sleep and right. drink aggressively. There's a, there's a lot of speakers I've talked with who's, who've said, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not thriving right now, but I'm not surviving. You know, it's, I'd like it to be better, but it could be a lot worse. And it just kind of, it's a season, you know, and, and if you learn to ride out that season and keep the long-term project, uh, perspective that, listen, the, the speaking industry, it's, it's been around for a long time. It will be around for a long time. People continually have needs that speakers can provide solutions for. Uh, so yeah, there's still plenty of, of opportunity that exists. So Kurt, this has been a lot of fun, man. Really enjoyed uh, hearing your story, your journey, the wisdom that you shared with us. If people want to find out more about you and what you're up to, where can we go? Yeah. The easiest place is, is I guess you can do LinkedIn, which is just Kurt Steinhorst, uh, C-U-R-T-S-T-E-I-N-H-O-R-S-T. I don't know why I just spelled that out. And, um, or my website is my organization's website is the best one is focuswise.com. And that's definitely the place. And we, we, we launched that not long ago. So it like accurately reflects everything and uh, you can give me feedback on whether you like it awesome we'll link up to that thanks for sharing kurt we appreciate it man thanks for having me on grant all right there you go hope you enjoyed today's episode of the speaker lab podcast and before you take off don't forget if you haven't already make sure you subscribe to the podcast leave us a rating and review within itunes we read every single one of those it helps it helps other people to find the show listen we, we don't charge anything for you to listen to these we don't have any ads or anything We do this because we want to serve and support speakers like you. So one small favor we ask of you is that you would leave us some type of a rating and review. Again, we really, really do appreciate that. If you're looking for more help, support as a speaker as you build and grow your business at whatever stage you're at, don't forget to check out thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. We got a ton of free resources and tools over there. So again, check it out over at thespeakerlab.com. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We appreciate you hanging out with us. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.